Hello, you honey badgers. This is episode 17 of The Modern Recordist, uh, the podcast where we sit down with musicians, songwriters, music creative visionaries, producers, recording artists uh, around Nashville and beyond. And today I've got my good friend Ernest Chapman in the studio with me today, who is uh, wears many hats, producer, recording engineer, songwriter, uh, rock, rock musician, um, uh, recording artist, author, music teacher, lots of stuff. We're going to get into a lot of really cool stuff. Thanks for being here today, Ernest. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. So, um, yeah, let's just, uh, in the spirit of uh, forward motion here, let's just keep a track man and let's uh uh play something that you um you've been involved in uh and we will let's talk about it afterwards but plays a track and we'll talk about it cool here's the track Dude, 
we're uh we're in uh man it's good to see you after it's good to be here, uh, yeah. After a while to catch up, man. Yeah. Uh, I uh, jammed it straight over here from a campfire, smelling ripe. Oh yeah, uh, sitting up in here, smelling like campfire smoke. And uh, this is a very manly podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Doing have a little mm. sweating. Uh, haven't even showered. So uh, yeah, we're uh, stinking it up in here. I'm stinking it up in here. But uh, in any case, dude, that it's it's uh, it's awesome to have you here and uh, yeah. to be um, sitting down and uh, we haven't gotten to chat in a little while and uh, this is a great way to do it mm-hmm. and uh, I think thank you for being here. It's going to be fun. Awesome, yeah, yeah man. Glad to be here. So um, yeah, tell us about that track a bit because um, you do a lot of stuff. You know, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. kind of in the intro, you do a lot of different things and sometimes you're mm-hmm. involved in projects as your own recording artist and. Uh, and then sometimes you're involved in projects as a producer. And then sometimes you even, you you know, I've been around where you've done some engineering, but mm-hmm. maybe, you know, it's more like production or writing. And That's more that of a of means thing. to an end yeah. for me. Okay. Um, a lot of people in this town make their living doing that. And mm-hmm. I'm definitely not one of those types, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm more, I more use it as a tool when I need to, but I'm not doing it every day, mm-hmm. you know, like some, like some people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> right on, man. So, yeah. but that track, tell yeah. us a little bit about where that one came from. Well, that's the first track off of the rock opera Space Attack. Um, I say rock opera loosely because there isn't actually an opera with an orchestra and all that. But that is a concept album. And in that moment in the song, the <clears throat> the main character is saying, forgive me, Father, for my sins, which it sounds almost like a gospel tune. And at first you might be fooled into thinking you're hearing somebody praying. And in fact, in the story, he is praying, but it's at the end of an apocalypse in which he's praying to God. And instead of being answered by God, actual space aliens come down and abduct him and take him onto their ship. And it's revealed what really happened. It starts at the end and then you go through this entire journey and then it ends with the same themes musically as the beginning. Cool. That's what's happening in that moment. Okay. So this is a, this (laughs) is a record, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of play dumb a little bit here because I sort of know, but just kind of unpack this a little bit. This is a record that you wrote. It's a concept record that you, you did what a few years back and I wrote the main content for it in 2002 and then I came back over the next 10 years and wrote songs over time and then eventually pieced it all together um, kind of a little bit differently than a lot of people make records I think of every record that I make that's my own stamp of you know my thing as a the same way a composer would view a symphony mm-hmm. so some composers will work on their symphony for 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. And then it, it becomes their artistic vision. So the way that I wrote it and sequenced the information in that record um, was very much like someone o- opening up a blank piece of score paper and writing in a horn part for a theme to their third movement of their symphony. Mm-hmm. And then literally putting it on the shelf for two years and coming back and finding it again and scratching in the cello part and sort of framing out the harmony and doing it in layers yeah. rather than like I wrote a bunch of songs. I'm going to go in the studio and make a record with a bunch of my friends. Right. So, yeah. Interesting, man. So, but the, it's a, it's a cool um, idea of this, like this concept record, you know, um, and this, and this story that you wrote and how you came up with it and that I've yeah. always been interested in like in concept records, you know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. It's always been like kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, I've, I've not really ever been, 
uh, maybe like there was one record that I worked on that was sort of a concept record, but you know, it wasn't really like in mm-hmm. the sense that you would, some of these, you know, like the wall or something like that, you oh, know, yeah. it wasn't like a straight on like full, you know, like, you know, tried and true concept record, but this is cool, man. Like, mm-hmm. so talk about the, uh, talk about that process. Like, mm-hmm. how'd you come up with the idea for this, for this story? And like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you kind of, what's your like thought process? Is there like, you know, you kind of like briefly just mentioned sort of your mechanics of how you sort of composed it. Yeah. But you know, storyline and like your intention, like, mm-hmm. was it something that was intentional for you? It's like, I'm going to do a, do a concept record. And so here's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just how does that work when mm-hmm. you're sitting down and like coming up with a story like that? Well, it very much was intentional. And, um, I don't know if I should spill the beans on on the the real guts of the story because I feel like people people who are interested may want to discover it. Yeah. So I'm not going to. Yeah. Reveal. Leave some leave some open loops there. Yeah. yeah. But what what happened was uh, in about 2002, uh, I think was about the year, I was flying somewhere and before I got on the plane, I checked my email, um, and I got an email about a particularly interesting conspiracy theory that had never occurred to me before, and as I read this email, it it I started hearing the music. And, and okay. when I was on the plane, Interesting. I heard the entire title track, uh, at least the core elements of the song, and I, I didn't have anything to capture it with, so I just, since I can read and write music, I just wrote out the notation. Okay. And it just kind of sat in, in my stuff for a while, and the entire process was a process of creating a space for my subconscious mind to tell me what it was. So wow. I have to suspend my conscious mind and wait to receive the information from somewhere else. Okay. So when you when you mention the mechanics of recording it, I think that's a good word to use because the mechanical process of recording has always been a tool or some kind of a utensil, right? So you eat food with a fork, but you don't eat the fork. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have never seen an edible fork. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the process <laughs> of recording, I hope so. Yeah. But the process of recording has, has very much been a process of suspending of, of, it's a paradox because when you're in that state of mind, you're very much consciously thinking about all these variables and controlling stuff and thinking about, you know, your inputs and your outputs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yet I have to get into a state of mind where my subconscious or superconscious, an atheist can do this just as much as a fundamentalist Christian or a Gnostic or a Hindu, anyone of any religion or non-religion can tap into the creative mm-hmm. infinity of your mind. Mm-hmm. And that's what the goal has always been for me is to tap into that. And I, I have a sense of a deep sense of trust that there's some part of myself, you can call it divine. And I believe that we all have that within us, or you could be very atheist and just say it's your subconscious, whatever. Mm-hmm. Some part of myself, it already has written these songs. Oh, interesting. So the challenge okay. for me is getting out of the way. And that's why it takes so So are long. you saying that like every song that you're ever going to write, some part of you has already written it and you're right. just, and yeah. you're just sort of getting out of the way. So where you can realize it, you can, you can consciously realize it. Well, I believe that there's a part of the mind that, that exists beyond time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the source of, of the infinite creativity that we all have comes from. Uh, that is a non-disprovable belief. And so it can neither be disproven or proven. Yeah, sure. But that belief allows me to suspend my conscious rational mind. 
So uh, unpack that for a minute. When you're saying like, uh, yeah. you suspend your consciousness, kind right. of like that right. could be taken a lot of different ways. Yeah. So like, what yeah. what what is what is that exactly? Like kind of if you unpack this meditation, is yeah. it? It's basically a meditation thing. It's or? it's a form of meditation okay. that isn't often labeled as meditation. Okay. But uh, I get into this with my students too. I. Um, I think of music as a, as a form of meditation in the same way that someone who's practicing Tai Chi will think of their body movements as a form of moving meditation. So my goal is to get into a state of mind where my ego and my conscious need to control things has, uh, it's not like I'm killing it or destroying it. I, I just sure. kind of, one, one analogy is like pour it a cup of tea and give it a little seat at the kid table. And then get out of the way mm -hmm. because every time I do that successfully, then stuff happens that I, I'm not so much the actor in the equation. I'm, I'm the audience. I'm okay. watching it come through. Huh. I'm witnessing it happen. And then, and then like, and then you're just sort of writing it down. You're writing, just down writing what it down what you see. Yeah. And, and I don't believe that that's something that uh, only special people can do. So sometimes when you talk about this, people will think that you're trying to tell them that you have some magical superpower. Mm -hmm. um, but but you know, I don't make my living selling my music or being a rock star. I'm not famous. Mm -hmm. I'm not on roll, cover Rolling Stone, you know? So I'm in an interesting position because I, my everyday living right now, I'm a music teacher. Mm -hmm. So I spend hours every day teaching people to do what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who themselves, you know, the, the statistical probability of any number of my students becoming famous is obviously going to be whatever that is. It's it's not about fame, right? It's not about public recognition as much as it's about um, sort of the self-purification of the act of musical meditation. And mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So, Anybody can do it. Yeah. So this, again, like this meditation process, you said it's it's something that's not usually isn't really regarded as a meditation, but it just sort of like more or less kind of is one or... I think most people that I've talked to uh, about music in my life, uh, the level of conversation we have doesn't usually go to this as quickly as what we're doing right yeah. now. Yeah, well, I'm just, like that's where I go, man. I, I'm really, I I'm interested. You, yeah, I, and I think, and I know that you're interested yeah. in these things, but I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that most people, if you told them this, might have to overcome some beliefs sure. in order to accept it. Yeah, yeah. That, that I'm talking about meditation in literally the same way that you might talk about a Buddhist monk meditating mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. uh, someone who's doing kata in martial arts, they're doing repetitive movements or, you know, you know Iaido, sword training, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or just Tai Chi, you know, or yoga, if mm -hmm. you do it right with without the ego. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that, that, con that concept of yoga is the concept of divine union. Well, what are you uniting with? Mm -hmm. Then you ask yourself, what, what, what is the source of the divine and where is it located? And I think for many people, they discover that it is within themselves and everyone has this. Mm -hmm. So my goal as a musician is to connect with that thing um, and then get out of its way because it, yeah. it will produce songs man i've never heard of i've never talked with anybody you know actually you know i don't know that i've ever had a conversation uh, like uh, kind of like digging into like how you write songs yeah i don't know that like we've ever really kind of talked about that before and mm -hmm. you know it's interesting this is really cool because this is like i didn't know i didn't know that sort of like what your process was and yeah. i've not heard about anybody doing this this yeah. way before it's, that's how i learned yeah i just one of the things i discovered on my computer when i was looking through old files was um 
you know, some of the earliest recordings of me singing and my mom teaching me how to sing and then having me like write little songs <laughs> when uh-huh. I was like th- two and a half, excuse me, uh, three years old. And it was kind of, I was sort of trained by her to think this way. Um, I think a lot of people do this and maybe don't have the language to talk about it because they get into the zone or they'll say that they get into this cool space. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. Right. Right. And I'm trying to put language on it again, not to say that I'm special or magical. I really think everyone can do it. Sure. Well, I don't know. Maybe that just says a lot about like me, but it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as like this, like woo woo thing, what you're saying. It, it, like I can, I can register the practicality of it and the, and the, it's like a, because you made the, when you used to like yoga and martial arts and stuff, right. It's a practice, a discipline, right. right? You know? And then, so, you know, that's Mm -hmm. to me, isn't really like any more woo woo than like, you know, I mean, of course, like yoga and martial arts can get that way. Yeah. You know, the five, what is it called? The five, finger death punch or something or the, like the that. one where uh master ken you know uh ameridote he gives oh, you right. the death stare yeah. and everyone just falls down because he looked at them right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome i haven't watched those in a while but yeah as any martial arts enthusiast gets yeah. on youtube they'll you'll Google. find some fun stuff <laughs> i mean those guys are genius because you yeah. know no matter what principle whatever whatever discipline you practice mm-hmm. they've made something that's going to hit their keywords you know i'm do i do krav maga mm-hmm. and you know i'm on there looking for krav maga videos and stuff of course he comes on and he's like krav maga sucks and let me tell you why oh master ken yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah he's brilliant yeah yeah, yeah he's awesome. got a he's got a 10 second video of every single martial art where he says it sucks yeah right I yeah 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 it's so great i love it yeah yeah man so cool so um so, okay. So to kind of circle back around for a second. Mm-hmm. So like with this space attack album, yeah. you're on a plane mm-hmm. and an email comes across to your, you hit it, get an email. Yeah. It was like it, earlier that day. I got and it, and it, and it, uh, is like a particular conspiracy theory and you're going, Hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I've got this idea. You write down the, the initial sort of like, here's this music that hit me. So here's like sort of like the general concept of this like conspiracy idea that I've got that could be a, a concept record. Let me write down some music that I'm hearing right now. Yeah. And then it, from there, it was a series of this medit- sort of like meditative practice to just right. sort of get out of the way and yeah. let the rest of the concept record yeah. do its thing. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because the way, because, you know, even that is interesting because doing it that way to write a concept record as opposed to just like, okay, if I was going to say, I'm going to sit down, I have a daily practice to write music. That's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. So like, let's say that, you know, somebody does that, right? They have this daily practice right. of writing music. Right. And so, but they're just writing, like it could be, you know, they're just writing music. It's not about, it's not like, it's just whatever song I'm going to write today. I don't know. Well, I do that too. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but what's interesting to me is this idea of like, that it, that it worked for like, because a concept record is more sort of, you know, how it is like a story and like, uh, the music is like, sort of has to kind of like fit together, like puzzle pieces, kind of like each yeah. song, you know, and it has yeah. to like... So it's interesting to that that you use were able like it's just still that that I don't know for some reason to me because it's like normally it's like if I'm going to use this meditation practice so like I'm going to get out of the way and it's almost like I'm going fishing for a song oh got this song this is what yeah. I got but a concept record would be more like well I'm going to go fishing for these particular types of fish 
Sure. You know, I'm going to yeah. do this meditative practice and I'm going to go for these particular types of, mm. and, and that's just interesting. I don't know. I'm really mm. fascinated by this. I'm really fascinated by this. You, you can, um, you can put intention into whatever you want to call it. And if you sit back and wait, the intention will return itself in the form of a gift from your subconscious or your superconscious, whatever you want to call it. So for me, it the first concept record I made took 10 years. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons it took 10 years was because I wasn't ready to write that album when I first started writing it. I didn't have the physical technique on the instruments I needed. I didn't have the compositional chops. I didn't understand how to record things. Like there were, a, there's a yeah. list of mechanical, uh-huh. technical things that weren't there. But even if those mechanical technical things weren't there, I also wasn't emotionally ready to deal with some of the themes. I had not experienced certain things in my life that would give me an unconscious reservoir of experience to be speaking from when I wrote the lyrics. This is great. I needed that to do it. So if I had forced it, my ego would have been in in control and my ego would have created a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. But as a result of of being patient and waiting, which sometimes I didn't feel very patient, Mm -hmm. that's the challenge of the meditative practice. And that's the challenge of martial arts. And that's the challenge of self-improvement in general. You will be challenged. Yeah. So if you take music and put it in that category, it's going to break you down and then you're going to build yourself back up. And the way that that operates creates transformation. And that is alchemy. And that's what music is for me. And that's what I teach my students. This is killer, man. This is like you are reading directly out of my book. My, like my, you know, air quotes. Book? Yeah, like my playbook <laughs> for life. It's like you're reading directly out of it. But, and, and then like all the concepts of, really what I infuse into this podcast and the types of things that I work to pull out on each episode. And it's like you're boom right in there. But not only that, it's like you're, 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 you're going there better than than, like you're reading out of my book, but then you're saying it like better than I'm saying it. It's this is, this is really awesome. All that CIA surveillance has really been paying off. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. You, yeah. The daily briefs on what's Stinson doing today. Yeah. Oh, did he eat cornflakes? Oh man. I need to, I need to, I need that again. I need to cover up my, uh, (laughs) I need to cover up my little webcam thing, man. I need to buy some of those little, what are, what are those little stickers you can get over there? Like the, uh, there's those little, um, non-profit organizations. Oh, you just get a little them. piece of duct tape. Yeah, yes. I know, but there's like the official non, you know, like oh, anonymous or whoever, right, you know, you can yeah. get them from those dudes yeah. and like tape them up and look like, look, I'm in, I'm, I'm in on it, man. Like, hey, anonymous is the perfect cover. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, cool, man. So, um, so, okay. Production, writing, uh, teaching you're, you're, what's the thing tell me what you're focused on what you got going on today like what's your what's your you do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you know you're pretty prolific you've put out you've done a lot worn a lot of hats done yeah. a lot of stuff okay um and 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 put a pin in this because i wanted to ask you about this and we can circle back around later but you mentioned rattled off a minute ago about I don't know, five challenges when you were like learning how to, you know, be a oh, artist yeah. and a all writer the and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put a pin in this, mm-hmm. but I was going to, but, uh, just, uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you about that. How yeah. you, what specifically were the challenges okay. and, um, and, uh, how did you overcome them? You know, right. But we'll cut, we'll circle back around to that. What I want to ask you about right now is, mm-hmm. 
so you wear a lot of hats and you do a lot of things. You're pretty prolific in the projects you put out. What's mm-hmm. what's the thing that's like you're you're really going going hard on now? What's your project these uh, days? It's being a dad. So okay, I got a two year old. Cool. Yeah, and um, and the challenges that come with that are the kind of challenges that will transform your entire being. And because I've just described music as a form of alchemy, uh, it's just a form of transformation, then really, to me, all these different things are like satellites, right? Mm -hmm. But the home base is personal transformation. How am I personally transforming myself every day to become a better person? That's why I practice martial arts. Okay. That's why I teach music the way that I teach it. Um, That's why I'm always focused on my family, on my kid, on my two-year-old, you know, on my wife, on, on trying to create a, a good life for us. And all, all the things that I'm doing are coming down to, really to a constant background hum of the alchemical process. Um, but it manifests itself through whatever is the focus at the moment, right? So the mm-hmm. focus now is my two-year-old. But when I, when I zoom out from that and I say, well, what are all the things that are kind of happening around him? Then, you know, what I have is this, this method that I've developed to share these transformations. And so that, you know, I call it the magic music method. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm doing on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. I'm teaching students uh, and I'm teaching them ways to play music where they put themselves into mental, physical, and emotional alignment. Mm. So I teach three kinds of technique. Out of those comes a fourth. The three kinds of technique are mental technique, physical technique, and emotional technique. When you put those into alignment, you can you can actually see if you become perceptive, and and you have to. For me, it's a you know the constant self work mm-hmm. um, that this you know always checking myself can give me the ability to be more transparent and see through people and actually diagnose. Okay, where's the misalignment? So I have a student that comes in and they have some kind of physical mechanical problem with their hands where mm-hmm. they're doing some okay. weird, weird, awkward thing okay. that's causing tension and stress. And they, <clears throat> now I, I can discover through asking questions, through observation, you know, where is this person at? Are, are they doing this because of an emotional reaction to something? They're not? Okay, cool. Then it's just a mental problem. They have an irrational belief about how they're supposed to do something okay. or whatever. Okay. I, I try to get these things in alignment, and in the act of helping put them in alignment, I'm constantly questioning myself. Mm. Every student is teaching me. Then I have to ask myself, am I doing that in some way? And so giving this gift to each person that comes in, they give me money. It's a job. Mm-hmm. I go buy diapers. That's basically my life Okay. Uh, right That's... now. And then I write books about it. I, I, I have books. I've got this book. You know, I've got, I got a number of books. I've got a website. I'm, I'm trying to, to capture this lightning in a bottle so that I can, I can share it with the world. Because this, this is much more than just, here's how you play a C major chord. Yeah. This, so. is, this is, man, like, this is mind-blowing. Your way of, I've never, I've not, I don't know, like... I don't know. We've had a lot of profound conversations. We have, yeah. but that's true. But I don't think that I've ever really dug in to really your philosophies. I don't. These are these philosophies. You know, yeah. are just. It's kind of like I don't know. I just never heard you speak about it in this way. I guess I've never really asked. It's the my right it's my question. operating system. Yeah, you're you're looking at my operating system, and I don't usually talk about it. It's interesting to be asked to speak about these things and for this to come up, I think is really 
kind of fun. It's mm-hmm. cool because I don't talk about it. Um, that's one of the the things about alchemy uh, that you you don't necessarily stand up on the rooftop and shout it out in the street. You yeah. Know? So you know, doing a podcast talking about these things they can easily be misunderstood. Some, sure. Someone can listen to it and they can take something out of context and go, wow, that guy's crazy. Well, we're all a little crazy. Yeah. So, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just go there for a second. I mean, yeah. like, cause that's the thing, man, like about, you know, the modern recordist people who, you know, songwriters and musicians and these types, you know, uh, it's that you you hit it. Like there's gotta, you gotta, there's gotta be a little bit of crazy there. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody, um, yesterday morning about it and we you know we we're talking about sort of i don't know we were some ideas of maybe what we had like you know maybe in the next year or so go out on this xyz journey right right and i made the comment like dude like is this how it starts like is this how you go crazy because like what i'm talking <laughs> what i'm saying right now is pretty crazy like and, and like, is this how it starts? You know? And the next thing you know, you like, you, you, one day you wake up and you're like the crazy bearded naked guy in the, in the forest that lives alone. You're the like, hermit. There's a, there's a tarot card for that. You know, the guy with the yeah, lamp, you know, right, there's yeah. Led Zeppelin album cover for that. <laughs> well, who's determining? Can I ask you a question? Who is defining crazy and for what purpose? Yeah, I know. Exactly. What yeah. are we comparing? I had that conversation to? last night, actually. Yeah. It was like, um, well, actually it was this morning, um, uh, somebody, last night, this morning, I know, same I know. thing. So I went camping last night, and, yeah. and we allegedly, you know, may or may not have gone to sleep last night, and so it's like everything blends together. Um, but uh, uh, they were saying, you know, something about, you know, normal. Like, is it normal for this or that? And I'm like, well, first of all, like, what's like what's normal? And second of Who all, does it serve to have? Yeah, that I'm definition. not sure that I like whatever normal actually is. I'm not sure that I want to be it. Right. You know. Well, who does it serve to have that definition? If you think about it, it serves people who require um, low-wage labor in order to run large companies. That's mm-hmm. that's who benefits from normal, and it's it's just a natural side effect of of market forces. It goes mm-hmm. all the way back to the Industrial Revolution. If if we have a definition of normal that's defined a certain way and that's propagated through the education system, then we can train people to ask only the questions we want them to ask and be really good worker bees. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty well established and it's not very controversial. It's just, you know, I don't even think it's a, I, like, that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I think that that's more of just a side effect of, of a natural process. Yeah, I, I can get on that train of thought. I, I know what you mean. Creativity because, yes. is our way out of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like this, like sort of like, uh, more or less a group mind yeah that mentality kind of that right. put it there as opposed to like this sort of like you know one or two dudes at the top who are like yeah. got this evil genius plan that somehow yeah, or another requires that yeah I, yeah require right it. yeah you can look at it like uh, natural selection and mm-hmm. you know that certain groups of people that that overcome certain obstacles at certain times in history have benefited from this you know, the laws of physics dictate that if you have a lot of people that work for you that do what they're told back in, you know, in the industrial revolution time and all through the 20th century, really, that you will win. Mm-hmm. And then someone else who's all their workers or their soldiers or whoever it is are sitting around reading poetry and talking about philosophy and like looking at the birds and and stuff. <laughs> Oops, I can bleep <laughs> that out. That's okay. We'll Looking at it. the birds yeah. that they will, um, that they will lose. 
mm-hmm. in, in some way, because there's some mechanical contest mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't want to get too far off on that, but I think it, it does kind of circle back around because the kind of thinking we're engaging in here is is nonlinear, unconventional, it's creative, yes. it's largely unconscious. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. So like the people who listen to the modern recorders are the type of yeah. people who are going to already... I think that, y- you know, you're speaking to people who... I don't think that you're going to... People are going to go, you know, it's going to be taken out of context. Well, oh my God, this well, I'm not crazy. really that worried about it. Well, I, mean, I know you're yeah. not. I know you're not. But I, I think that, you know, um, because first of all, you know, the type of audience and type of people that we're talking to, you know who they are. I know who they are because we are them. Right. Right. And second of all, you know, because I have my particular type of flavor of who I am in that arena, you know, and I steep that into this podcast, you know, so that's the type of people who are going to be listening to this show. And it's just like, to me, I think people like I'm, pretty astonished actually in a, in a lot mm-hmm. of your, your philosophies on this stuff. And it's just really, really fascinating. What and sticks out the most for you? What's, what's really doing it for you? What's causing you to go, Whoa, okay. Well, it's this idea of like, it's the idea of, okay. Emo- basically emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, uh, self-improvement. Um, and, um, you know, then the, these other sorts of like ideas of, of, you know, I guess sort of like the kind of Eastern philosophies that are kind of are part of like martial arts and then, and then, and meditation, yeah. you know, and those components. So just this idea of, of really like you've got, you're very present and in tune mm. with so many nuanced, like everything that, that you're every component, like there's everything that you described and how you do it is very intentional. There's not a, you haven't come across in the way that you describe how you do things and, and you have not in any way while doing this, any part of it, as you described it, come across like, Oh, you know, that was sort of just, I don't even know. You know, I didn't think about that. Every single thing, every little nuance has been intentional and thought about. And you're very in tune with all those things. And like, you know, you're very in tune with who you are. And so, and then there's this idea of like, you know, I'll ask a question, but you stripped it down to, well, it really is about self-improvement. It's really about, you know, you didn't say emotional intelligence, but you, you, you know, that's a part of it. Though. Yeah. But you, you're, it, yeah. it definitely cued me into that. And so that's just what's, because I'm, that's, you know, for me, it's a lot about, you know, creativity and, you know, if I want to be a really good record producer or, or, or really good, you know, recording artist, me personally, oftentimes what I do is, yeah, you know, I'm practicing the craft. I'm doing the craft, you know, but, yeah. but, but at least as much you know, equal amount of the time, I'm actually focusing on self-improvement, self-awareness, self-realization, challenging myself in ways that have nothing to do like i take krav maga like i said Mm. earlier right and that's like they put you through hell Mm. you know like Mm. you that's part of the training is to go through hell you Mm. know and and you know and there's some there's some other things i've been involved in recently that that are like having to do with um you know more kind of on the emotional intelligence side of of um of things there and like a lot of reading I do meditation, you know, um, I, I, I do things that are, um, 
you know, kind of these cathartic pursuits because I know it's like, it's, this is really difficult mm-hmm. and it's scary, but I know that when I push through that on the other side is something so profound, you know, that yeah. it, it's so profound that it will influence everything that I do in my life, including what I spend my time, you know, my craft producing records, you know, and engineering and writing and, and that, and that creative work, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that's what hit me yeah. when you, when you, you know, it was just like, boom, like, wow, that's just, that's straight up, man. That's, that's killer. Well, there, there's a level of focus that comes from cer- certain disciplines like martial arts, like uh, I take hop keto mm-hmm. and the, the level of focus and discipline that happens when I walk in there and I, you know, my goal when I walk in there is to, to be as receptive as I can to what's being taught to me and, and to accurately reflect what I'm being told to do physically as Mm -hmm. accurately as possible. It's not, it's not like you go, it's, you know, it's not like you go and have a jam session and you're just like improvising the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like there's all these drills, there's all these very specific things, which must be done a certain way. And, um, you know, only at the higher levels can you start taking them and, and mixing and matching and sort of flowing more uh, in terms of imp- like what you would maybe call improvisation because mm-hmm. you got to have these reflexes programmed. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <clears throat> that kind of focus, it's really hard to do that if your ego's involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I see, I've seen people have issues with that because their ego is trying to to get something out of it that's not pure. yeah let's 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 um let's unpack that just a little bit because i think that some people well, that's, might... a, that's a mirror for this whole conversation you know? yeah that's what the, that's what music lessons should also provide is technical training and putting your ego to the side and and learning very physical clear technical movements mm. which allow you to at a future point have a spontaneous perfect reaction to a situation that you're thrown into unprepared because let's say someone jumps you on the street yeah you're not going to go into some rehearsed technical movement that's going to you're not going to be like hold on a second guys let me get in my cat stance right like you're you've there has to be an improvisatory element to it Mm -hmm. but it but it comes after a a period of training in which you are installing a new operating system yeah right the effect that has on the ego is hopefully one of dissolving its influence in many, in many areas. Mm-hmm. And that is something I bring into my creative discipline, mm-hmm. my musical meditation, my music teaching, mm-hmm. but that, that did something for you. So you wanted to unpack part of that. Well, uh, you, you kind of, I actually kind of already did because I was as the ego, the way that we're, the way that we're talking about the ego. I think that yeah. some, a lot of people, uh, unless you, let's see, um, how would I say this? Uh, unless you have, you know, I guess done some meditation and a lot of times, you know, it comes up in psychedelic research. Let's just put Mm -hmm. it that way. Okay. You know, studying consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this idea of like, you know, in, in like psychedelic research, the the phrase is ego death. Okay. You know, that's the phrase of getting, letting your ego get out of the way. But like, so the people who said that sounds like something an ego would make up. Yeah, because an ego wants to kill. That's, I mean, yeah, that's so. That's so a, that's an awesome observation. If you allow the ego to be put in charge of killing the ego, then what you're going to have is a bunch of fireworks and a false sense of having killed your ego. Yeah, that's like a wolf in sheep's clothes. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good. You know, I actually haven't thought of it that way. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a meta way. Yeah. But you know, I just was 
kind of really what I wanted to maybe unpack for a second was this concept of how we're actually talking about the ego. Because a lot of yeah. people, you know, most people are going to go, oh, ego, that they're going to associate that with like, oh, he's just an egotistical jerk. Yeah, it's not, I don't mean it in yeah. the colloquial sense of someone who's being a jerk, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, would you like me to provide my concept sure. of that definition? Sure. Uh, I, th- I think of the ego as the part that is is limited to the conscious mind and to the unconscious fears that they connect. And so like you, you have fears, which, uh, that could be valid and, you know, you store trauma. There's more than one brain, you know, you have an abdominal Uh brain, you have all these nerves in your solar plexus. People receive, everyone receives a certain amount of trauma in their life. To me, the ego is the thing that that's, that's receiving the trauma and seeking pleasure and trying to get away from pain. Mm-hmm. And it's doing it through trying to sort of rectify past wrongs by bringing them into the present moment, which is also known as projection. So you're pro- you, pro- you can project a certain kind of unreal expectation onto a present moment situation, which takes you out of that moment. So right now we're sitting here, I'm sitting on this couch, you're sitting on that chair, we're having a conversation and we're having this present moment awareness. We are right now, we're right here. And um, of course we are not... I mean, speak for yourself, I guess, but I, I don't consider myself to be an enlightened sage. I'm just a guy. Well, I'm glad you spoke for yourself because, yeah, I mean, clearly. There you go. Right. Clearly, you're the master. <laughs> but but I understand the framework to look at this through, and, and I'm that's the transformation part. If I wasn't, if I wasn't, if I was already perfect, there'd be nothing less left to transform. So it's a lifelong practice. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I'm working with, with the ego is I'm saying that it's, it's actually a real specific thing. It's that part of the mind or that part of, of the psyche, which it, it still has some ax to grind, still has some beef, has past traumas embedded in it. And is, is as a result, pulling the, the, the being of the person dealing, we're talking in the question of say me out of the present moment and robbing them of the ability to just experience presence Mm -hmm. and bliss. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but that, that ego, if you try to kill it, the only thing that's going to want to kill an ego is an ego. Yeah, that's a, so, I have no, you haven't thought about it that way. That's, so if you try to kill it, like that doesn't work, right? Because yeah. then you you end up fracturing in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in my own experience, uh, and again, I can only really speak for myself, the best practice I've found is not to kill it, but to actually befriend it. Think of it, this is a part of me. This is part of myself. Yeah, I like this. And Go, keep going on. And yes. tr- I want to understand why the trauma is there if I'm having a reaction to something. Yes. If I'm pulling myself out of the present moment, I want to know... What am I reacting to? And then I want to go investigate that and heal it and fix it and then not have to worry yeah, about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that, that to me is how you can tame the ego. And it's like the part of you that's a, a pissed off, angry child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having a two-year-old, I actually understand, you know, if your two-year-old's screaming at you and throwing the peanut butter at your face, you, you're not going to hurt the child. You need to understand why they're upset. Yeah and try to figure out what's going on and try to be kind of a curious scientist and say, well, maybe this child is being irrational. That might be. What if it's going through some rapid phase of brain development and doesn't know how to think straight and can't handle the situation? How about just treat it with compassion and calm it down? And you know, if you treat your ego like a, an angry child that's throwing peanut butter at your face, then you don't kill it. It ends up being like a dog that you've befriended and tamed. 
and then you work with it because it, it's an important part of the self. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. This is exactly where I'm glad you're bringing this up because to circle back around, I'm like the people who in the psychedelic community, the consciousness studies and stuff like this, yeah. and they use that phrase ego death a lot. And it, and, and, and it, and I had this notion, it was getting thrown around a lot, you know, all the time. Like, and then it was just sort of like, after a while I'm going, well, it's kind of your, it's kind of as if you're letting on that, like the ego is completely a bad thing. Like there's a function to it. There's a reason it exists. Well, who does it benefit know? to have people disconnected from their own conscious, rational minds? That's the question I would ask because the ego in its healthy state is the, is actually the rational part of the conscious mind that is, has a BS detector that can, that, that can say, okay, I remember five uh, five hours ago, when this happened, uh, this this result happened. It can it can apply logic analysis yeah, to things in yeah. ways. Of course, the subconscious is perfectly logical too. It's just not as obvious how in some in some ways. But to me, like the, the ego, in its healthy state, is a rational and logical part of my mind that can actually prevent me from getting into a lot of trouble. So if I kill it, then I have removed a part of my my conscious mind that can act as a filter and that can protect me from danger and that can, that can allow me to make intelligent, rational decisions. Mm. So I don't know about yeah. that whole thing. I, right. I just feel like that. And I feel like there's, there's certainly, I don't know how to phrase this, but there's, there's definitely a movement that I've seen reflected in different parts of our culture that, that has to do with kind of, taking rational thoughts and processes and sort of identifying them with the negative aspects of the ego and then mm. throwing it all away. Mm. And I disagree with that. Mm. I, don't, I don't think that's wise. Mm. I think all of it works together. Yeah. And I think if you ask the Dalai Lama, uh, he'd probably have some kind of an answer that was a hundred times better than what I just said. But I think, you know, he's probably, yeah, well, I, he, I, he could tell you about how to be rational. Sure. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, totally, man. I, I think he's a lot smarter than me, so he'd probably say it in five words. Sure. You know, but, yeah. Or like one word that would like leave you going, wait, what? Exactly. It would cause you to understand it on your yeah. own somehow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. people like that, um, if you study them, I think you can find all this stuff I'm yeah. talking about. That's yeah. cool, man. Um, well, we're actually already halfway through. Wow. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. molecular stuff. And so what I usually like to do is um, is uh, kind of change things up for a second and sure uh, and and you know an opportunity to kind of put some more music out there and talk about that and kind of. I need to switch the jack to my phone. Yeah. All good, uh, man. Is it going to pop? It could, it but out. that's okay. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And so while you're getting that going, I am going to uh, do take a quick minute to um, do some promo items. Sure. So. Uh, this podcast, The Modern Recordist, is brought to you by Pops and Clicks. Um, it's brought to you by uh, myself, John Stinson, J.D. Tyner, and Parrish. So um, the three of us work on this podcast together. I'm your host, John Stinson, and I'm a producer, recording engineer, mixing engineer, working out in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, have a lot of you know have a lot of irons in the fire. A lot, of, a lot of times, for example, this podcast. Another, um, another thing that I do a lot is uh, write about uh, recording, 
and producing on my blog. And I've put together on my website a uh, resource called Recording Drums 101, which is a uh, simple little resource for exactly that, easy and quick tips for recording drums that sound great. So um, check all that out. Uh, Go on my website. You can go to johnstenton.com. You can scroll down and see the uh, beautiful picture of my co-host, J.D. Tyner, playing drums in the studio that we're sitting in right now. Click that picture, and uh, you're at the uh, resource page, Recording Drums 101. So check out those uh, simple tips for recording drums that sound great so you don't have to worry about all the technical uh, hooey that goes on with uh, something like uh, recording drums. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to my co-host, J.D. Tyner, who is uh, the main man here at Glass Onion Recording, which is the studio that I do most of my work out of and the studio that uh, we record this podcast out of. Go check out Glass Onion Recording on Facebook. So you can go there. It's facebook.com slash glassonionrec. Like the page, check out everything that's going on there. Keep up with uh, all the, uh, the the projects that have been coming through here lately and uh, get in touch. Shoot uh, JD a message there. Uh, also check out JD's website at jdtiner.com. You can uh, check out his album credits and um, and uh, see what he's been up to. Keep Keeping up with all the latest and greatest, all things JD. And then finally, Parrish, who is the engineer of the show and he handles all those responsibilities so that I get to sit down and be present with the guests. And, um, uh, so Parrish, uh, he is a producer engineer, uh, working out in Nashville as well. And you can check out all that he's got going on at Jonathan Paul And, um, also check out villain place, which is a, uh, production, studio a record label marketing company we've had uh, those guys on before uh, on the show Parrish is involved with those guys and uh, we've had them on here talking about some marketing stuff so you can uh, check out one of those previous episodes and um, yeah check them out at villainplace.com and finally make sure you stay subscribed get subscribed and stay subscribed to the show if you're not already um and leave us a, a, uh, a rating and review as well. Good ratings and reviews. They keep us present on the charts and uh, so that this show can be spread and shared out there with as many people as possible. And speaking of sharing, if you like this episode, and why wouldn't you? Because this has been an amazing episode so far. I'm really excited. Just, I'm going to go back and listen to this a lot, actually, because there's just a lot to think about. This is really cool. Um, if you like the show... This episode, share it with a couple of friends. So that's that, and uh, I don't know if you've if that was m- me jabbering away long enough for you to cue something up. And uh, yeah, cool man. So um, you know, I, I could play a track or two off of Space Attack that kind of gives a little more information on it. You can sort yeah. of see where it's going. Yeah, killer. This is the title track. It's called Space Attack, and um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. So yeah, hit it. I'll uh, turn the audio on my phone you might you might want to ride this when it first comes on just in case it's too hot because we're coming off the phone here all right cool
a space attack, a home base attack There's no rhyme or reason, it's a space attack In your face attack, no time for sneezing Space attack! Space attack! Grab all your guns Take up your
space attack. So it's kind of funny after all that all that discussion about like spiritual stuff and meditation. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and here's some completely ridiculous slapstick. <laughs> I don't know how to describe what style of music that is. Maybe you could give it a try. Oh, oops. That's another track on there. We'll come back to yeah, that. Yeah, that's I thought all, I hit pause. That's all good. It's kind of like a blend of all my influences, you know? So there's, it's like Pantera meets Frank Zappa meets yeah. Tool meets yeah. Sting meets... Uh, Debussy. Yeah. There's a lot of I really hear all that different there. stuff, just completely like jambalaya, just like gumbo. It's yeah. like a gumbo of influences. And, and at, you know, at one point it, you hear this like hokey lounge jazz going on and then stuff starts breaking and yeah. laser guns going off. And, you know, to me, like the ability to simultaneously go there in this meditative, spiritual kind of way and then come up with something like that, that that's like an episode of South Park or yeah. something. It, it, to me, that that's like ironic. where it's at. Yeah, that's, it's it's bit, very ironic, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And the first song is very sincere, and it's very, like, prayerful. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, you don't find out till later that he's really praying to space aliens. But So, um, like, in the story, he thinks he's praying to God. To, to God, yeah. And then the second verse of the that song at the very beginning that we opened it, he's actually praying to, to his mother. And I, I wanted to throw that in. It's a little bit of a subversive thing because in our patriarchal foundation society, God is always a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's plenty of people that pray to Mother Earth and all that stuff. But I like the idea of not even mentioning it and just having it be, the, well, the second verse, you know? Uh, Forgive me, Mother, for I have sinned. For all mm-hmm. my sins, you know, uh, in a, having been a former Catholic school kid, the concept of saying, forgive me, mother, like maybe you'd say that to a nun or something. Mm-hmm. But no, he means it in the divine sense. He's speaking to the divine mother energy, the goddess. He's praying to both okay. a god and a goddess. It's not a father, son, and Holy Spirit. What happened to mom, as George Carlin You know what's really say? interesting about that is that it's so programmed in us, like you were just saying, it's so programmed in us yeah. about, you know, God being this... God's a dude. Yeah. Well, so when no. when somebody <laughs> says, but when, yeah. but in a situation, like if you're, like, for example, this one, right? If you yeah. had changed it to, you know, forgive me, father... Well, people, that is the first verse. People, okay. It kind of sets you up. Okay, and people know exactly. Okay, there you go, because it set it up. It you sets know? it up, but then the second verse happens, and there's no framework for a lot of people to understand it's that. It's interesting that people you know, would think, well, he's just praying to his mom or something. You know? Right, so yeah, in the first verse, he's clearly talking to the divine creator of the universe. And in the second verse, I guess I'll reframe that, because there's no way he could be actually talking about the female goddess energy of the infinite creation. Mm-hmm. How could that be? Mm-hmm. You know, but of course, there's plenty of people that could see it that way. Um, but I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm throwing that in there because the ability to alternate between sincere, prayerful, serious, emotional, intelligent, emotionally intelligent, and slapstick comedy, horror, psycho, death metal meets Frank Zappa yeah. with lounge jazz thrown in the middle, like all all hell's breaking loose. To, to rapidly cycle between those two things has always been an interesting thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not a rock star because what's, what, what happens in the world, you know, you, if you want to, you want to be famous, you know, there's like these well oiled categories that just really work really mm-hmm. well. And, and, um, there's not a lot of people doing what, what I've got yeah. going on here that are like, you know, and next week on yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, right. Um, cause it's just not for whatever reason, yeah. it doesn't really matter. But, 
uh, th- that that doesn't drive my creative process, so I don't really care at the end of the day. Sure. But it's an interesting observation. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, well, That's cool. Yeah, so. Well, hey, I want to circle back around. You know, we can start to we can kind of start to wrap up this yeah. this show because I know that you know I could go for five hours. So sure. Well, I mean, you know, and um, we can probably cut it a little bit shorter than we usually do. But it doesn't either way. I yeah, do want to take a minute to ask you probably like a couple more questions. Yeah, I, got a, so. I got a four o'clock student. I'm going to drop yeah. all this stuff on her. Yeah. Head right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, I want to circle back around to what I was asking you before about when you were talking about, okay, you know, here was this recording thing that I had to learn. Here was like, you know, yeah. the, you're, what was it? How did you, you were saying like, it was about, you were learning kind of how to be a songwriter and, a, and, and like, how how you wanted to be a recording artist like how you you yeah. know exploring all those and there was all these things that you were overcoming technique was always secondary to me because the idea was first and the idea was whatever i happened to think of in that moment and i would hear music and i would make the music happen on an instrument even if i didn't know how to play it yet mm-hmm. and i would record it even if i didn't know how to record yet and i would mix it even if i didn't know how to mix yet. yeah it was always an afterthought how am I going to execute this idea? The thing that mattered was I hear something, I need to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So all through high school, I spent, you know, three, four nights a week staying up till three or four in the morning and then, you know, getting up and going to school the next day at God awful time. Um, stealing audio equipment from my mom's studio across okay. the house and slowly building together this patched up eight track studio with a Tascam eight track tape machine. I didn't really steal the stuff. She knew I had it. She'd yeah. come back and get it when she had a demo yeah. session or whatever. And, um, and over time I, I taught myself how to record engineer, how to mic things. And all of this was trial and error, but I was surrounded by professional musicians and A-listers mm-hmm. in all these different categories, you know, high level session players, hit songwriters, artists, you know, I'd, I'd go, I'd get picked up from school and go to some number one party for some, some guy or whatever, you know, it was like yeah. constant like sure. that. Sure. Um, and so you know, I mean, there's this one time where, like, when I finally got my driver's license, my mom could get me to go pick Bonnie Raitt up at the airport. So she <laughs> was too busy that day. Like, that was my childhood. Yeah, it was yeah. weird looking yeah. back on it, you know. Um, but so I had this weird blend of, like, figure it out yourself combined with, well, I could just call, uh, you know, Matt Rawlings and ask yeah. him some question if I was stuck on something and yeah. he actually helped me out, you yeah. know, like yeah. who can do that? You right. Know? Not a lot of people can do that. It right. was the context of the time I grew up in supported this crazy laboratory mentality mm-hmm. where uh, it was like being a physicist and you could just, if you, if you really got stuck, you could get Einstein to come over and just show you a thing or two, but then sure. you're still on your own. Right. So I did, I learned by constant failure. And I made 12 albums in my bedroom before I graduated high school. That's 12 killer. albums. I'd say more than 60, 70% of it was just awful. And then there's like this 30% mm-hmm. where I can see the seeds of what would later become the things that I'm the most happy with. You know? mm-hmm. And it's funny to talk about it in these terms because not a lot of people have heard this music. Yeah, It's, it's not out there <laughs> you yeah, can find it on yeah. itunes if you search yeah. for team illuminati but yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna find a lot of this stuff so for me it's very personal it's mm-hmm. it's that's why it's alchemy it's personal transformation yeah so so okay so you coming overcome basically how you came to be you just constantly were constant failure 
and but also also it was like success and and saying um i liked what you had said a second ago about all the mechanics of how i would do it or whatever that's not really important what's important is that i hear something and that i I need to make it happen i I have all these tracks from when i was a teenager where you can hear these multi-layered compositions i didn't take guitar lessons i didn't take bass or drum lessons i took piano lessons as a kid you know, uh, but when I was a teenager, I was doing I was doing all these multi-layered orchestral sounding textures on a little eight track, and I taught myself how to bounce tracks. So I'd have like fifteen tracks worth of stuff on yeah. the eight track, and I'd have yeah. you know second generation bounces and stuff. I had to do whole takes. You know, if I wanted to punch, I had to use my big toe. Nice. I like while that. playing yeah and if i didn't do it right i'd actually destroy the whole take and have to do the whole thing again <laughs> well looking back on it what was happening was really i'd be playing a bass track on something and i didn't know how to run the, the board really well so i was i was learning engineering while learning how to play my instrument but the thing that was the gas in the car and that's the point that was the creative impulse and that would only happen when i could get my conscious mind out of the way mm-hmm. And so that's the full circle for me is, is certain times in my life I've had a higher ability than other times in my life to, to get distractions out of the way. And oddly, I never had to do it with drugs and alcohol. Mm. It always was something that I could accomplish just because I could somehow flip a switch in my mind and hear the music in my head. Mm. And then I would play the music I heard in my head, whether I could play it or not, which meant that I would sit there and the first 35 times I tried to play it, I would fail. And I'd record every failure, and then I'd record over it every time. And after so many takes, I'd finally get it. That was my teacher. Mm -hmm. I was teaching myself how to play my instrument by writing songs I could not physically play. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Not by learning a Led Zeppelin riff and doing it a bunch of times. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between certain types of musicians that come from a creative place and others who have, you know, studied and educated, but maybe have not yet tapped into the creative mm-hmm. place. Of course, they're going to have great technique. So the minute they turn that on, that creativity, then their technique will be there. And mm-hmm. that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you can hear when you hear somebody play, you can hear if they're playing ideas or if they're repeating things they've practiced. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a big difference for me is, is at becoming a teacher, I teach people to practice things, which is kind of an ir- ironic thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm always trying to, to help them unlock and discover their creativity. I mean, I had a new student last week on a Saturday who had never been asked to improvise before. And she's learning a box song, and I, you know, it's invention number four in D minor, and and I played that when I was a kid, and you know, so it's it's familiar to me, and I played through parts of it. But she was having trouble on some technical things, so I said, okay, take this a D harmonic minor scale, and you're going to run it in two octaves with your right hand, and your left hand, you're going to you're just play the root, and maybe we'll switch or whatever. And then I started sort of tricking her into improvising, and by the end of the lesson, she was writing her own melodies in D minor. Wow. And and I said. Did, did anyone ever ask you to do this before? Because she had had other teachers. And she said, no. I said, "Um, do you know that you're creative? And she was like, no. I said, well, you just created something. Hmm. And in the act of creating it, you finally learned that technique that you probably had tried to do before and and failed at some point. Interesting. But now you're succeeding. Why? Because you have a reason. What's the reason? You're being creative. Mm-hmm. You're improvising. Yeah. Well, this is a cool thing. This is a, a cool segue to kind of like wrap up the show because I want to talk about more about, you know, you got 
teaching material and books and things like this that that are a part of your you have an entire system it's a method yeah that you yeah that you've put together so yeah talk about that for a minute well it's basically i'm a multi-instrumentalist um you know i went to college for music so you know don't get the wrong idea after this period of time as a teenager where i was learning all this stuff in this trial and error way i did go and take formal lessons and go to college and and i took piano lessons as well when i was a kid and back again in college so i have this weird mix between being raised uh like a kind of a wild animal in a studio wilderness surrounded by master studio musicians mm-hmm. and then having classical training at a young age and then studying college formally start studying music formally in college. And what I've done is by, by taking those two extreme opposite worlds and blending them, I've created a, a new way of looking at music that, that has a few advantages. One of them is um, I'm looking at emotional technique, mental technique and physical technique all together uh, a lot of methods only focus on physical technique mm-hmm. and it is up to the teacher to pass the other things on to the mm-hmm. student, but mm-hmm. you know, a great teacher is going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there isn't a language for it or there isn't a sort of a lesson plan for it. So I've, I've got some lesson plans that, that I've developed that, that cover some of those bases, but in the, on the physical level, you know, right now I have this book I'm, I'm holding right here. There's this, there's this it looks like a clock. It's called the clock of fifths. It's this circle with playing cards around it. You take out a deck of playing cards, and when you pull a card, the the number on the card is the time on the clock. Well, right next to every hour on that clock, you have the name of a note. And so there's a whole series of card games you can play to learn all your notes, to learn the chords, the scales, the same way that if you were learning how to cook, you would go to a supermarket and you would learn which things to purchase in the produce section to Mm -hmm. to make that thing you're cooking. This is like a supermarket for musical shapes and patterns. Mm -hmm. The piano version is this book. It's got all these visual shapes and patterns in it. And it's presented in a way that encourages creativity. Because that the, to, that to me is is where people connect emotionally. Is they're 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 able to be creative. So you got a kid that wants to learn a Mozart tune, and they can't play the scales and arpeggios that are required to physically perform that song. Okay. Well, give them a creativity game where they write a song. You know, you want someone to learn how to read music. Show them how to write it down. Well, why why are they going to put a note on the page? Maybe they're going to put that note on the page because it's a melody that they're writing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the angle I like to take, and and it's a very f- interesting time right now in music in the music lesson world because I'm not the only person doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of validation coming out of other people putting out creativity based methods. Mm. So there's like a renaissance happening, in my opinion, and the internet is facilitating it. Yeah, uh, there's some great stuff out there. Yeah, you know. Cool. So, so what is, uh, what's your method called? The magic music method. Cool. And it's a series of, it's a series of books or well, right now there's a scale and arpeggio book that's called creative piano patterns. And the way that, that you learn them is through these card and dice games. So what you can do is like, if you're a songwriter, you don't know how to read music. You're just playing piano and you're maybe you're a multi-instrumentalist. You can open this book up to, to different pages and you can look at it and you can see right there. It shows you, you take a look, it shows you where to put your fingers you can see if it's a black or a white key and it says the name of the note and then there's a dice game and then there's a series of famous chord progressions in that key that and it's the same chord progressions in every key well there's there's appendices in the back with more patterns there's all the patterns of every key that are the basic patterns it's all the ingredients you need if you're a cook to go make something it's like you just mm. walked into the the produce section at Kroger and you're going to just grab some stuff and throw a salad together and just yeah. see what happens sure 
And um, there's a little bit of information in the beginning that sort of describes how to interpret what you're looking at. Because okay. at first, people look at it, and sometimes they're not sure how to look at it. Right. So once you go through that, it's pretty clear. Um, and then I have a Piano Fundamentals course on my on my site now that's a video course where I demonstrate everything, and, and you can actually play along and watch the videos and, okay. and all that. And then there's courses under development right now that get a lot deeper into the emotional stuff. So in addition to the, yeah. you got a series of books. Well, I started with Nuts and Bolts because I yeah. felt like if I'm going to enter the market and, uh, and, and put some stuff out there, I need to really have things that people can immediately physically play with their fingers and get results with. Um, if I started with all the emotional and mental techniques that we are talking about today, and I didn't have that nuts and bolts, physical, put your finger here, play this pattern, then I feel like people would have all these interesting ideas, but they wouldn't have a place to manifest yeah. it and ground it in a yeah, physical yeah. experience. So there's a number of things that I'm, that I'm developing now that are going to continue to come out. There's, uh, you know the seven steps to programming the subconscious mind. There's, okay. you know, that, that kind of that thing. That sounds interesting. So, so it's a little bit of a, it's, it's not, it's, it's a little bit sort of like higher next level up abstraction from music. Well, stuff. yeah. Cause it applies to everything, yeah, yeah, right. you know, and you, yeah. you go through a process where you relax and you suspend the awareness of time and you know, you, you repeat certain things at different speeds and mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole methodology to it that, that uh, it's interesting that there's the four gates of music, uh, the four gates being physical, emotional, and mental, and then transcendent. I, I like calling it transcendent. You can call it spiritual as well. Mm -hmm. But it's the idea that if your physical, emotional, and mental sort of parts of your being are in alignment, then like we said at the beginning of the conversation, you know, it's something greater than the sum of its parts. It's something that an atheist could call the subconscious, but a, a a person of any particular religion or spiritual belief could call whatever name they want to call it, mm -hmm. that when you're in alignment, then something happens that's, for, for me, I think it's kind of a mystery. That something that happens when you're in alignment is that your ego steps aside and that's where all the stuff comes from. So, so I'm actually creating frameworks for people to work through a methodology yeah. that will get them to that place so that it's not just like, Oh yeah, I just well, rolled out of bed right. and wrote this song, and yeah, I'm better right. than you. Right. No, man, that little nine-year-old kid in Iowa somewhere that's listening to this podcast because their uncle's wants to get into recording, and they found it on their computer one day on a Saturday afternoon. That hears this needs to know that they have the same infinite creative potential inside of them as Jimi Hendrix. Now, whether they activate it or mm -hmm. not, and live in a time in which it's supported and all those things, that remains yeah. to be seen. Yeah, I loved so your. You're uh, going somewhere with that. No, I was just that's a lot. You know, that's yeah. a lot, of, and I love your your self empowerment. Yeah, stance and approach it's for everybody to this. It's for everybody. Yeah, that's why I love being a music teacher. You know, if I wasn't a music teacher, I might be one of those frustrated artists mm -hmm. who um, thought they should have been famous. That's the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego wants to be famous, mm -hmm. so then the ego tells you, "Well, if you let me kill the ego, then that won't be a problem anymore." Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a trick, man. It's a trick. It's tricky. Cool, man. Well, um, how about, you know, we probably should start to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, where can people... Where can people get a hold of all this you stuff? You can go on magicmusicmethod.com if you're interested in checking out the method stuff that I have out now. And uh, the music that I'm playing is from the Team Illuminati record, Space Attack, uh, which is that concept album. 
So I could play one more song. Yeah, you know, get, get that queued up, and then I will end the show. I, um, that's it, guys. I, this has been an incredible show. Ernest, thank you thank for you. coming in, man. This has been like this is this has been a blast. One of my favorite episodes, actually, yeah, and uh, and I am uh, really looking forward to having you on again, man. Because I think that we there's there is there's just so much. Mm-hmm. I don't think we we could probably do a thousand episodes. Oh yeah, we and never run out of things to talk about, and like just everything that we put out there. There's just so much more. Like we could circle back around and unpack so much more. So. I can't wait to have you back on and, and, and discuss you. all this more. It's been so much fun, man. Thank this you. has been awesome. Yeah. And like I said, I'm going to go back and listen to this episode a bunch um, because I just really feel like I've gotten something out of this today. And I feel uh, I, I acknowledge you for, for being such a, a, a in tune person with yourself and with your and so uh, so um, intentional mm-hmm. with how you've put together everything in your life and your work and how you teach people and your, your, your stance on self empowerment. Yeah. You know, and I acknowledge you for that, man. And thank I you. thank you for bringing that on the show today. This has been incredible. Thank you. And I think a lot of our people will get something out of it. So that's it guys. This has been episode 17 of the modern recordist. I hope you enjoyed it. And why wouldn't you, this has been amazing. Um, Get subscribed, stay subscribed, go to iTunes, search The Modern Recordist, hit that subscribe button, uh, give us a, uh, a rating uh, and review as well. That's going to help us stay on the charts and spread this around, share with a friend. That's it. Thanks for listening. This has been, uh, it's been amazing. And uh, Ernest will play us out with a final song. So this is a song called Shut Down. It's off of the Space Attack album. And... Um in between every song, there's a narrator that tells you what's going on. So when you, when you check it out, you'll hear that. But I'll just tell you, this is the moment in which the, the main character starts to realize that things are not what they seem, and he feels really shut down. And to me, it kind of is emblematic of a lot of this conversation, talking about the challenges that come up and how you overcome them. And this is his moment of, of really falling apart. So, uh, <laughs> But it's a very upbeat song, so I think it'll be a good thing to leave, it, leave us off with. Awesome. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome.